Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting. Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Monica Swanson Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, wife to Dr. Dave, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, and soon to be released Raising Amazing. Here on the podcast, it is my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising amazing kids and building strong families. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you'll be encouraged. Not saying, how could you do this? Your future is ruined. What were you thinking? Like those, all those rhetorical questions, just saying, practice, literally practicing this, saying, um, saying, this is upsetting. I'm sorry this happened to you. We need to let our emotions settle down before we talk about it. But no matter what, I love you no matter what. And we'll find our way through it together. Hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. And I am so excited to share today's interview with all of you. You are just listening to a short clip from my new friend, Jessica Peck. And if you have teenagers, or if you have younger kids who will one day be teenagers, if you're a grandparent or have friends with teens, this is such an important conversation. Jessica and I are drawing from her new book called Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. Now, Jessica is coming at all of these issues from such an awesome angle because she is a pediatric nurse practitioner. Uh, Her Instagram name is Dr. Nurse Mama because she has a doctorate degree as a nurse practitioner but she also has four, count them, four teenagers. And so this book is literally tackling some of the toughest issues that we hear about that some of you are facing right now. Just opening the table of contents, she talks about mental health, she talks about cyberbullying, she covers suicide, vaping, substance abuse, divorce, and the list goes on. This book is so helpful, and this conversation was so encouraging to me. I love getting to know Jessica, and I think you will too, and I'm all ready planning to have her back on. So do me a favor as we talk today, take some notes and let me know what would you like us to dive into deeper and then um, I'll have her back and we'll just chat more. Now we couldn't cover everything today, but we cover a lot. So I'm going to keep this intro short and dive right in. Of course, you're going to find links to everything we talk about and a few show notes over at, um, on my website. And you can find those at monicaswanson.com forward slash Jessica dash peck. 
And now without further ado, let's jump in and join this conversation about how we can help our teens navigate through life's toughest issues. I hope you're encouraged. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Monica, for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation. So I have been so looking forward to talking to you. I feel like this could be a little uh, personal therapy session here as I just am so interested in all the things that you are about and you wear many hats and I think that's why I just love following you. So before we jump in, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, tell people that all these hats you wear and what you're up to. Sure. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Jessica. I'm a Baylor professor of nursing, and I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner and have been a pediatric nurse for 25 years. Hard to believe. Most importantly, I'm a mom of four teens. My teens are 19, 17, 15, and 13. So I am living all things pediatric. Like I've got a professional commitment and a personal commitment. Uh, I'm married to my husband, who is a rocket scientist, who is amused at the perception that I am the smart one in this relationship when he is a literal rocket scientist. (laughs) We've been married for 24 years and we live in Houston. Okay. There's so many things I have to unpack just in that introduction. First of all, every time I've seen that your husband's a rocket scientist, I mean, we use that term like, I'm no rocket scientist, but he really is. He's actually He is actually, which my children remind me of on a daily basis. You know, they take relationship advice for me and anything else pretty much is going to go through him, but he is is my greatest supporter. Tell us what he does. He calls himself uh, the founder of the Jessica Peck fan club, which I think is just adorable. And so it really is a a family. It's a family thing. It's, it's this is our ministry. We're doing this together. He supports me so that I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then I support him. So, you know, he can send rocket ships to space. Oh my goodness. Okay. That's just crazy. And I feel like the dynamics in my family are very similar. My husband's a physician, but very in his head academic. And, but he also is just my greatest supporter and and best friend. So I love that. And I love that you've got four teenagers. There aren't many people that have four at once. Like that's nuts. It really is. I mean, I, I, I think that gives me street cred <laughs> a little bit when it, it comes does. to about teens. I know. I'm worried about them getting older because I'm not going to be as cool. You know, they're not going to keep me in the in the know as they get older. But for right now, I'm pretty plugged in. Totally. No, it only gets more fun now that I have, you know, getting in the 20s with two of mine. um, And but I did kind of have a a space before I still have a 12 year old here. So that's keeping me young, I say, or maybe making me old. I'm not sure which. But (laughs) anyways, well, you also mentioned Baylor. Baylor is in Waco, Texas, correct? That is correct. And um, we go to Waco, Texas for a different reason. My son often surfs at the wave pool in Waco, Texas. Did you even know there's a wave pool in Waco? I actually did, but that is, you know, not the first place you think of. You think of North Shore, you know, for surfing. <laughs> Not right, Waco, yeah, Texas, yeah. but I think that's pretty amazing. Yes, yeah. isn't it? I've been there and it was it was pretty amazing. And I did get to go to Magnolia and I did drive by Baylor. And so next time he goes, I'm gonna try to go because I want more time to like see things outside the wave pool. 
You definitely need to do that. Go to Magnolia. Now it's like, I'll tell you a really quick, funny story. Everywhere I go, when I say I'm a professor and I work at Baylor and you know, I'm really, I'm an international anti-trafficking advocate. That's what I do as a nurse. And when I say I work at Baylor, they don't ask me anything about that. They say, do you know Chip and Joanna? Do you know Chip and Joanna? <laughs> of course. Like from television. Of course. But I'll tell you, Chip actually reached out to me on Twitter after I did that. And I was able to meet them and I toured the castle that now they're, they're renovating, which Stop. No, I'm serious. And I got all dressed up in a suit because I thought, you know, I got to I got to represent Baylor and this has got to be good. But within five minutes, I was climbing over the HVAC on the ceiling, on the, the roof of the castle. Oh, my. So it was just like, you oh, my goodness. So now that's my claim to fame. Yeah. I say, yes, I actually have met them. I love it. And they're the real deal, which I could guess they would be. So that is so much fun. Okay. Well, we could chit chat. I know you love Oahu. And before we hit record, we already established we're going to hang out. We're going to go to a shrimp truck. You can watch my son surf North Shore Wave. So I can't wait to meet you in person. But today we get to talk about a brand new book as we're recording. It just came out. This is going to come out a little bit later. But I love that you have been able to combine your professional practice with your personal life, raising these teenagers, um, with your faith as well. And so behind closed doors, brand new book, you tackled some big stuff that we're going to go dive into today. Tell us a little bit about the book, how it came to be. Well, as a professor, I'm alarmed about the research and the statistics talking about mental health and the physical health even of Gen Z. And as a pediatric nurse mm. practitioner, I often meet families behind closed doors at a point of crisis most of them never saw coming. And so I know that life isn't perfect. And I can see behind the facade that social media tends to put up this wall of perfection. Mm. I know that that's an illusion. And as a mom, I know that I doing my very best at home, but it's still hard. And I still see my kids struggling. And so I really feel like in, in March of 2020, as I looked at the pandemic and I saw the long-term impacts this was going to have, I feel like God just put it on my heart to say, you have the education and the experience and the knowledge to really speak into the lives of parents of teens. So that's where it came from to create, mm -hmm. I created Dr. Nurse Mama, which is my professor brain, hands-on nursing experience and heart as a mom to be a guide on the side to help parents navigate the teen years. There's so much stigma and shame associated with challenging mm -hmm. moments in parenting teens. Mm -hmm. And I really want to walk by parents and give them hope and practical tools that they need yeah. to walk through those seasons. Yes. Oh, that's also good. And no doubt there are some scary things that they face. And yet I agree with you. Sometimes you hear the overwhelm and it's almost like parents want to give up before they've started, especially with the teenagers. They just think, oh, you know, enjoy them while they're young because once they become teenagers, we're told, right, it's all going out the window and they're going to turn to their peers and, and not talk to you anymore. And they're going to start sexting and vaping and some of the things we're going to talk about. But you and I can agree. No, no, there's, there is a lot you can do. And, and that relationship is so key. And so I, I just can't wait to have you share more. And I'll tell you, and anyone listening, being in Hawaii, sometimes there's delays. And so I try to get a book and read through it all before I interview someone, but there's been some delays in getting this book, but I just got the PDF version. And so if I'm at all scattered, it's because I had a really late night last night trying to get through it because I couldn't put it down. I didn't even feel like I had to read it. I just, wow, you've done such a good job. I mean, I laughed, I cried. Really, really, you bring us in in such a special way. And, and 
also you share so many great resources. So I'm going to recommend if you've got a teenager or a child who will ever be a teenager, <laughs> don't wait until they're teens. Read this book now. But um, can you share kind of that opening story, you and your daughter in the car? Do you mind giving that one away? Because that did make me both laugh and cry. <laughs> oh, this is the best story, Monica. And I'm so happy that you asked me because sometimes people look at my credentials and they think, oh, she has it all together. I did not write a book because I have it all together. I wrote a book because I have the courage to say I don't. <laughs> and, you know, I have a broken mm -hmm. relationship with my mom and it was just always my fear that I was going to continue mm -hmm. the generational cycle of broken relationships. And when my daughter mm -hmm. was 13, we were having a recurrent argument and we were driving down the road and she threw a book at my head while I was driving. I'm talking, this was four volumes. I mean, it was commitment and it was such a wake up moment. And I pulled over to the side of the road and I did the most important thing I've learned to do as a mom. I prayed and I just thought, mm -hmm. God, is this it? Is this that moment that everybody's been telling me about? Mm -hmm. oh, just wait till they're teens. It's terrible. It's awful. And I recognized mm -hmm. I was going to have to do something different. I was going to have to find a new mm -hmm. way forward. And now even this morning, mm -hmm. uh, my daughter, uh, who is now a, a sophomore at Baylor, actually, she's a journalism major, mm. and I co-published a blog together about that experience, and we have a great relationship. It is not perfect, but it's healthy. And that's what the message I want to give to mm. your goal is not to have a perfect relationship, but to cultivate a healthy yeah. relationship where you can work through moments yes. of challenge and conflict and still get out on the other side and still feel good about it. Wow. That's huge. And that is, I think what parents need to know is that you can have an imperfect but healthy relationship. And as kids grow up, that's going to look different and it's going to change. So do you, can you walk us through a few of the things you did at that moment um, after you prayed? Uh, what did that look like? She's 13. She's growing up. Things were different. Maybe just walk us through that. And then I'm going to just throw out some of the topics that you cover in the book and ask you to give us some perspective on those things. Sure. Well, it definitely did wonders for my prayer life. And that sounds so cliche, but it is so important. I don't think you can effectively parent teens without just recognizing that you can't do it, that it cannot be on your mm -hmm. own strength. And so I had to relinquish control. I was trying to control her behavior. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that I was missing the heart of the matter. And so that was a real perspective shift for me and thinking that this is not about me as a parent. This is about her as a kid. And then I realized that, yeah. you know, in today's day and age, we expect instant gratification as parents. We treat parents and queens like chia pets. Like we just want to put in a little effort and then have them have growth. And if we're really honest, reflect well on us. A lot of times we're so much more afraid of social mm. injuries of falling from a pedestal than we are yep. of the threats of real physical illness like and death facing us right in the face. Mm. I recognized that I was yeah. going to have to not care about what anybody thought. And I was going to have to mm -hmm. pursue the heart of my teen. And when we had a challenge, not to make that behavioral struggle her character. 
So if she was struggling with being on time, that didn't make her lazy. That made her a great kid who was struggling with being on time. How can I help you? So those mm-hmm. were the perspective shifts I mm-hmm. had. And then what I did was uh, in, in medicine and healthcare, we use a professional tool called motivational interviewing. And I basically modified that for home. And I made that four easy steps for parents. The first is listen with your face. We do not listen to our kids with our face. Our faces are in our phones. Our faces are on the screen somewhere. They are on what we're cooking, what we're driving. So I've just made it a habit of if they tell me Mm. something, I'll even pull over on the side of the road and just say, this seems really important. I want to stop so that I can give you my full attention. I want you to know I'm listening. And then the second step is offer open-ended questions. So we tend to lecture immediately when we hear things or give advice or try to fix things. And I started making the first things out of my mouth would be questions. How's that making you feel? Where do you think you need help in this? You know, and just what are you struggling with the most? How can I support you? So that made a big Mm. difference because they felt heard. And then validating their emotions, saying, I see you feel sad. I see you feel angry. And just validating that because even Jesus felt emotions. You know, he got angry. He got sad. There's nothing wrong with experiencing those emotions, even Mm -hmm. if as parents you disagree with the cause of of those emotions. And then E is explore next step together. So I just invited her in and just said, okay, how can we work on this together? This is not me trying to mold you. Mm -hmm. This is not, you know, me trying to control Mm -hmm. you. This is us working together to build our relationship. And I got to tell you, like, it is just one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. So it's like planting a pineapple. You know, you have to be confident to plant that seed and you water it and you put it in the sun and you take care of it and you see no growth. You see nothing. But then all of a sudden, you know, you live in Hawaii two years down the road. You see that pineapple start to grow. And that's the perspective I have as parents. Oh, that is awesome. And you call that motivational interviewing? Motivational interviewing that for parents, I call it just love your teen. That's it. Right. Because because that is an acronym, right? For L-O-V-E, love. Okay. That's so good. And that's in the book, I know. So everyone can try it out. Like That's such a great tool to use when you're stuck and you're like, I don't know what to say next. What a helpful guide to these conversations. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I'm just pausing here real quick because I'm looking at a calendar and realizing that we are just three weeks out from the release of my new book, Raising Amazing, bringing up kids who love God, like their family, and do the dishes without being asked. And as you can see, Jessica and I share such a heart for these kids, for these teens, and I hope that Raising Amazing is a manual that will help you raise up kids with the kind of relationship where you can have these conversations and also instill faith in your kids and the kind of character that can honestly help you avoid a lot of these issues. In fact, I look at my four sons and I think, wow, we were spared a lot of drama and a lot of heartache. And I want to help other families um, really avoid having to deal with some of the painful things as well. And then when things do come up, having the kind of relationship where you can work through them together. So the fun news is if you pre-order Raising Amazing Now, there is a bonus and it is four interviews with my four sons. I think these will inspire you. And I also think they'll encourage your kids. So you can go right over. uh, There's a link in show notes or you can go directly to monicaswanson.com forward slash raising amazing. It'll show you where you can order and then you can immediately download the four interviews. I hope you enjoy those. And now we're going to get back to this conversation with Jessica. 
you are a professor at Baylor and tell us more about what you do in the clinic, what you see every day, maybe what you're seeing right now, and then we'll get to the nitty gritty. When I look at pediatric practice and how it was 25 years ago, I don't even recognize it. It is not the same. Mm. And now every day I'm seeing these issues that just, I felt like I needed to address. I'm not just seeing strep throat or flu or, you know, well child visits. Every day I see kids with these struggles. And so for the book, I chose the top 12 that I see in practice every single day. So we're talking about Mm -hmm. mental health issues. We're talking about cyberbullying and online aggression, about suicide, about vaping, substance misuse, pornography, gender identity issues, social justice issues, disordered eating, uh, divorce. I mean, All of these things are things that I see in practice every single day. And right now I teach pediatric nurse practitioner students, and it's easy for them to pick up, you know, the criteria for this is how you diagnose a cold and this is how you tell a parent what to do. But they're having very difficult conversations. And in fact, we bring them to campus for three days and we just sit with them and teach them how to talk to parents about these things because This is what we're seeing. Now, I'll say parents don't ever, it never looks like someone coming into my clinic and saying, hey, my teenager is not sleeping really well and they're not eating. I I think they might be depressed. Like that never happens. They usually say, is it Hmm. the flu? Is it mono? Is it COVID? And so it's difficult Mm -hmm. to open your mind as a parent to the fact that maybe your child is having a mental health issue. And a lot of times that door Mm. for the parents is just uh, closed. It's not intentional at all. We want to talk to our teens and our teens want to talk to us. But if you don't initiate conversation before something happens, it signals to your teen. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, I've been behind the closed door with a teen hundreds of times when they tell me, oh no, I can never talk to my parents about this. They've never brought this up. But if you position Mm -hmm. yourself as the expert, you can have these awkward conversations Mm -hmm. where they come to you. Yeah. Wow. So when you see these kids, they're in the room with you behind closed doors, mom and dad aren't there with them. And then you have a separate conversation with mom and dad. That's exactly what happens. So I'll talk to the teens, I'll talk to the parents. And most of the time I'll ask the teen, you know, does your parent know that this is going on? And they'll say, you know, no, absolutely not. And I'll ask the parent, do you know this is going on? And most of the time the parents say, I had a feeling, I had a feeling something was wrong. And, you know, when I think about when we have our babies and you, they're fussy in the night and you think it's an ear infection you pick up the phone and you call and you don't even hesitate. You just say, I want to make sure everything's okay. We do not do that with issues of mental health. And that's how I see all of these things present. That's how I see kids who all of their problems are originating from engaging in sexting or substance abuse or, you know, some other kind of situation like that. It usually presents as a mental health complaint. And when they come in and they're telling me about it, it, it is a, uh, it's been going on for months. It's been going on for months. And mm-hmm. parents will usually Google. They'll usually have some, maybe some arguments with their spouse about it or try a different diet or just wait it out. And we need to normalize yeah. mental health by just calling and saying, hey, you're yeah. feeling some uh, some symptoms of depression. Like, Let's call and just make sure that's okay. Just like we would when they were babies for infection. Sure. Yeah. I'm guessing that parents are just probably in denial because we have fear. Like, It's one thing to have an ear infection when they're young because you know you can treat that. 
But man, if you open that door and say, my kid's depressed, that's, that's a big thing for, so let's start there because mental health, I think it might be that one of the first things you tackle in the book. And it's something I hear about all the time. I, I think COVID probably highlighted that, but from what you say, it was already becoming a bigger and bigger issue. So talk to us about mental health. And and in the book, I love that you kind of break it down into the three categories, behind the clinic doors, right? Behind yep. home doors, is that right? Or family? And then what's the third one? Heart door. Heart door. And so I love that you have each of those perspectives. So can you kind of walk us through mental health, maybe just touch on each of those three perspectives? Sure. Well, mental health is very common. I share in behind closed doors. My uh, clinical story is my own daughter who was having anxiety mm. that I did not recognize. I did not see it. I thought it was asthma, honestly. And it, they were panic attacks. And so mm. I share, you know, with her blessing. Now she's uh, she's older and and wants you know people to know that it's it's okay that they're not alone. And so we talk about you know how common mm. they are: anxiety, depression. They're the leading causes of disability. Ability mm-hmm. in teens. And I think that a lot of parents are afraid to come because they are afraid they're going to be labeled for one thing with a diagnosis mm-hmm. and they're afraid of medication. Yeah. And I want to tell everyone mm-hmm. listening that for anxiety and depression, medication is not recommended for first-line therapy for kids. It is counseling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy and a lot of things that we can actually provide in primary care. And if we do it early, then we can change the way that the brain is wired. We have a much better chance Mm. because their brains aren't fully developed. They're neuroplastic. So we can Mm. rewire the way that the brain thinks and give them a much better outcome than just kind of waiting around. So that's the clinical perspective. The home perspective is talking about mental health. Now I'll tell you, a lot of teens worry about their own mental health and they think, do I have anxiety? Mm-hmm. That's what I hear a lot from teens is, do I have anxiety or depression? Or, like, is this just normal? Like, and we can go through behavioral rating scales and give them a little quiz basically to say, okay, you know, I'm really worried about you or, you know, I'm not really that worried. You need more exercise. You need some sunshine. You need to go surfing. You might need a puppy, you know, like these kinds of things you know, are helpful. Yes. And I think we have to be careful in how we talk about those things at home. So if you have it maybe your teen doesn't have you don't think they have a mental health struggle but their friend does we have to be careful how we talk about Mm. that because they're going to assume that you would think the same thing about them so we have to make sure we're leading Mm. and giving them a safe space to disclose because a lot of times they don't want their parents to think that they're weak or you know snowflakes or you know all all of these kinds of labels you know that are in the popular narrative one thing that I talk about in boy mom is that before my boys went away to college, that was one conversation I wanted to have because I had enough friends whose kids were a little bit older than mine and went through some really difficult times during their college years. And so I just wanted to really normalize the idea that you might go through some difficult times and you might need to reach out for help. And if so, just know that that is good. That is a healthy choice because even though they grew up doing fine at home with me, I thought if they faced something, I would hate for that to be a topic that hasn't come up and, and would be uncomfortable and they wouldn't know what to do. So I just wanted to send them out the door saying, just so you know, these are some weird years (laughs) that, that 18 to 24, those, some, some things happen and there's a lot of change and there's a lot of new things you're going to face. So just know. So yeah, I think having 
you know, I always say, have the conversation before you need to like bring things up, talk about it. So I love that you use that example. If you know somebody else, be careful how you talk about it. That's really important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, and I think that, you know, we're the same, Monica, and that I'm sure when you had that conversation with your kiddo going to college, I'm sure I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they didn't say, thank you, mom, for this life changing conversation. That was just Yes. I, I am so appreciative. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you, mom. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they roll their eyes. They sigh. My totally. When I was talking to him about something sensitive recently, you know, he pulled his hoodie over his face until only his nose is sticking out. And he just says, we shall not have <laughs> this again. So I think that's the other thing we have to remember as parents is we don't get that instant gratification. You know, it's not like, oh, I've learned how to let me tell you about this love your teen model. And I have these great conversations. No, my kids still tell me, oh, okay, that's enough. I don't need to know anymore. So yeah, it's 100%. The door, it opens the door and that is what you want to do. Yes, that is totally what you want to do. I love it. Okay, I'm going to switch gears and tackle a couple topics. You do such a good job of diving into some tricky topics and vaping is one of them. Now, I've been surprised by the statistics and the prevalence of vaping in teenagers. So could you talk to us about that topic and maybe some conversations we can have with our teenagers about vaping? Sure. So I'll tell you a story about the chapter that I wrote. When I first sent it to my editor, they said, you know, we don't think that this needs its own chapter. Why can't you just say something about vaping in the substance abuse chapter? And I really kind of, you know, stood my ground and said, no, this is something I am definitely seeing every day. And it is, it is just as common as I say in the book. Well, that next week, unfortunately, my editor was at his church event where they had a resource police officer there and a junior high child was arrested with vaping paraphernalia at their church event. Mm -hmm. So he called me back and Mm -hmm. said, I think it should be its own chapter. (laughs) And I said, yes. So the thing is, Mm -hmm. teens know that smoking is bad for you, but they do not think vaping is bad for you. Vaping sounds like vapor and that's just flavored water. That's all that it seems like. And so Mm -hmm. they think that it is, Mm even healthy for you because it's marketed as a healthier alternative of smoking. And if you have not got, if you dare, you can go on YouTube and look up the vaping Olympics and it is, it is absolutely mind blowing to see what they do and flavors like unicorn milk and cotton candy. They're obviously marketed to teens and fashion is even marketed. Uh. They make hoodies with drawstrings where you can just use the drawstring. Mm. It looks like you're chewing on a drawstring, but you're really stop it. I Stop. Promise. Promise you. Promise you. Look it up. You can see uh, clothes that will accommodate vaping to make it, you know, so you can okay. go into it. Somebody needs to be beat up. Whoever thought of these things. That is evil. That is horrible. No, isn't that? That is awful? so wrong. Okay. And also your story about being in the mall when you were confronted by somebody selling vape stuff. That was that was quite a story. Can you tell that? Yes, I would love to because it was right when vaping was first coming out. And I really, I didn't know what it was. And so I was walking by a kiosk and you know, you cannot show a moment of curiosity. No, because it's no. like blood in the water, you know? So this guy came after me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he look, I'm sure to a young person, he would have looked very compelling and attractive to me. It was like, a, you know, a 12 year old in acts, like, but I mean, but he came up to me and he was very seductive and he just came right up to my face and he said, Hey, do you vape? 
And I just was sputtering. I could not even, I mean, I was just like, no. And he just came closer and he actually grabbed my wrist, like in a very seductive way and just said, do you want to start? And I just thought, oh, oh. gosh, it was so creepy. And I just learned this, you know, self-defense mm-hmm. move of uh, uh, like releasing my wrist. And I was like, no, I- I'm a mom of four and I drive a minivan. I do not want to vape. It was, it was not my <laughs> finest moment. But I thought, how could our teens, you know, withstand that pressure? And even more than that, oh. the- if you were a 13-year-old girl, what would you have done in that moment, right? You would have vaped. That's what you would have done. And, you know, yeah. these look like yeah. lipsticks and key fobs. And so sometimes, you know, kids can be holding them for other kids and not even realize what they are. So we need to have mm-hmm. that conversation. It's absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And any tips on starting the conversation? I have a 12-year-old. What would you say... And we, we have, but I'm guessing you have a better way of approaching it. 12-year-old, what do you say? How do you start it? So first of all, I would say in any of these situations, whether it's vaping or sexting or anything, you have to put yourself in that moment of thinking it could happen to you. Nobody wants it to happen, but if you don't think about it before, you're going to be at the mercy of your emotions. And usually that's going to be anger and you can really direct Mm. how your impact, how your team permanently sees their future. So practicing Mm. in that moment, if you discover it or they disclose it, not saying, how could you do this? Your future is ruined. What were you thinking? Mm. Like those, all those rhetorical questions, just saying, practice, literally Mm. practicing this saying, um, saying, this is upsetting. I'm sorry this happened to you. We need to let our emotions settle down before we talk about it. But no matter what, I love you no matter what. And we'll find our way through it together. So that that is really it. Wow. And if, you, if they're vaping, they need to go to their primary health care provider because it could have already impacted their lungs. Vaping is actually an ultra fine aerosol that buries itself in the lungs. So you need to go and have them checked out and make sure everything is okay. Mm. And then ha- they can help you have that conversation. Okay. So if you are suspicious, get to a primary, would you say just start with a primary care and just do a checkup and do you mention it to the doctor first or bring it up at the visit? Like, how do, how do you recommend that? You know, Because I have a feeling somebody listening, uh, this this is probably, you know, you might just have a, a bad feeling, maybe no evidence, but you just have a sense that maybe it's something your son or daughter would be curious about. So yeah, walk us through You know, that. I'm always a fan of honesty with teens. And so, and that can be really hard at first. It's really hard to do at first, but once you do it a few times, it becomes very easy. And so I would just tell them, yes. you know, I'm worried. And even if they deny it, just say, I'm worried and I'm going to take you to the primary care provider and you're going to talk to them by themselves and I'm going to tell them what my concerns are. And if they tell me there's nothing to worry about, then that's great. This will just be a trust building exercise. But I am committed Mm. to make sure that I am giving you every resource and every support that you need. And this is a resource that you need. And I would take them and I would just do that and have that honest conversation. And I'll tell you, I very rarely have teens lie to me. Very, very rarely. And, you know, we have to talk about Mm -hmm. those bounds of confidentiality. Like, what am I going to tell the parents and what am I not? And usually that's something I'm going to decide mutually among the three of us uh, what that is. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you'd be surprised at how often they just feel over their head and they're just waiting for somebody to rescue them. Mm -hmm. They really are. And uh, and just giving them that out and knowing 
what's going to happen. A lot of times they're just so afraid of that moment. And if you can lessen the fear of that, sure. and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. These are the consequences. Then it may prompt them to have a disclosure that they wouldn't have had before. Oh, that's so helpful. I just love that. And bringing that third person into it just softens the the whole setting. I, I think that's just awesome. Okay, super good. Well, let's touch on, um, I know we talked about vaping and sometimes vaping includes marijuana, CBD, different forms of drugs, but how about just in general substance abuse? Can you touch on alcohol and drug use in the teenage years and what, what you recommend parents do who want to either have a conversation or are suspicious or concerned? Well, substance abuse is something that's very personal to me. Um, my brother struggled, struggled with substance use, and I share that story in the book. And I think that mm-hmm. what we have to realize is that we have bias when we think about substance abuse. We think about a junkie mm-hmm. on the street shooting them their arm mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. You know, heroin or something like that. Yeah. But substance yeah. abuse and addiction is a long, gritty road that is not overnight. Mm-hmm. And it starts with misusing substances, mm-hmm. you know, taking um, ADD medication to lose weight or taking an extra pain medication, mm-hmm. not for pain, but just to feel better. And then you start abusing mm-hmm. it and it retrains the way that your brain is wired and teen brains are especially susceptible to substances. So it doesn't look like that. These kids are A students. They're going to school. They Mm -hmm. are in church. Mm -hmm. I mean, they look just like you and me. They look like our kids. And so sometimes it's hard to believe that that's happening because it starts off as usually pills or that kind of thing. But it's so easy to get. I mean, you can just open the news, Laura Laura Berman's son who died ordering drugs Mm -hmm. on Snapchat. I mean, these are all things that really scare parents and thinking about fentanyl. And these are conversations that we have to have. One of the stories I share in the book is about um, a girl who I interviewed a lot of young adults for this book to talk about like what would have made a difference. And she talked about how at a youth group party, they passed around a, a bowl of pills and just said, just take one and see what happens. And she did. And her parents still don't know about that. So again, this is just where we have to have courage to intervene and to act, even if they deny it, we don't want to set them up for failure. Like, are you using drugs? If you find drugs in their room, say, I found drugs in your room. We are going to go talk to a healthcare provider to get a, a guidance on this. And having your trusted village around you, I mean, not just a healthcare provider, you need mm. you need good close friends that you can trust. You need pastor mm. and spiritual yeah. support. You know, you need teachers and coaches yeah. who you know are on your kid's team. And we need to reach out to them. And so often we don't. Uh, I think Gallup says 16% mm-hmm. of Americans will reach out to a friend about a trust, a, a trusted friend about a problem. And we can't rely on a Google search to get our way out of it. Wow. We'll just wait and hope it's going to get better. Early intervention is best. My brother did not have early intervention mm-hmm. and it set up a 20 year long struggle that's still ongoing. Wow. That definitely is personal to you. And I, I appreciated that part of the book and just how you really make it clear that when we're dealing with addictions, we're, we're dealing with something that's underneath the addiction, right? And how important it is for parents and family members to understand that there is a root cause. And, and the sooner you get to that, you really can spare somebody a lifetime of addictions, of challenges, if you can get to the root cause. So I just think that's really important. And I was really glad that you pointed that out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that you you brought that up because addiction is always a symptom of something. Addiction is a Mm -hmm. coping mechanism to dull pain. And so we need to look at it and say, you know, this is not a drug addict. This is someone who has really ineffective coping mechanisms and somebody who's struggling and who's hurting. And that can be difficult, you know, to put up boundaries because boundaries are are essential and consequences are Mm -hmm. essential we can still walk beside them, you know, with love and with compassion. And I just can't emphasize enough the importance of the courage to act early uh, before, you know, this becomes a lifelong struggle. Because once your brain is developed, it's very hard to rewire those impulses that crave substances. And and that's what drives Mm -hmm. addiction. Oh, hundred percent. Goodness. This is such good stuff. Okay. I, I, want to bring up suicide as well. And I'd like to end on a positive note, but all of this, I mean, I really believe this is positive because you're giving us tools and you're giving us courage. And as parents, we need that. We need, you, you offer so many helpful resources. You give numbers to call, websites to go to. And I appreciate that so much because I think when you are equipped, then you have nothing to fear. When you know that there's something you can do, then you can have the courage to do it. And I just really encourage parents, you know, we can be so overwhelmed and we can throw up our hands and just be like, I don't know what to do. They're kids, they're going to get through it. But no, there's so much you can do. And so I, I do appreciate that. But can we touch on suicide? Because that's something that I feel like I've seen brought out into the light more and more. Um, maybe from a clinical perspective, talk to us about suicide. We can. We can talk about that. And you're right. And, and throughout the whole book, yes, I am talking about some scary topics, including suicide, but I do want parents to have hope and to know that there is mm. hope. It is hard. I mean, it, scripture says in this world, we will have trouble and we are going mm-hmm. to face hard things. We can choose our hard. We can choose to mm. talk about things, mm. you know, and walk through those things together, or we can choose just to let them roll over us. And so I think having knowledge is power and there is hope, you know, that we can, we can find in community with each other. And suicide is something that, again, I used to never see in pediatric practice. And I worked for five years in a community regional hospital Every day I took care of kids in the hospital who were suicidal. I had a 12-year-old at a camp where I was a nurse who Mm. um, tried to die by suicide. I mean, it is definitely happening. And only 30% of teens with suicidal thoughts who act out on those have told anyone about it. So it's very quiet. Want people to know, and most teens, fifty um, percent of teens will decide in fifteen minutes or less in a decision to take their own life. Twenty-five percent in what? five minutes or less. Yes, very impulsive decision. And most of the teens that we see, by far and away, the teens who survive, they want to survive. They they mm-hmm. just don't they don't want to die. They just want the pain mm-hmm. to end. And so mm-hmm. I would say clearly to anyone listening, it is okay to talk about suicide. It is okay to ask plainly, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about killing yourself or harming yourself? Evidence is so clear that that does not give people ideas that were there before. It is only helpful 
people. And so if you have that question in the back of your mind, you need to ask it. And if you can't ask it, go to a healthcare provider or somebody in their in their village that can ask them that because they, we, we need to be able to act. And if they say yes, and there's a plan, that is an emergent situation. If not, mm-hmm. if they say, you know, I've thought about it, but I don't have a plan, that's, that's an urgent situation where you need to get some help. And to mm-hmm. any parent, has been impacted by suicide. I can't ever talk about this ever without just saying it was not your fault. You could have done all the right things and loved them all the right ways. And it still happens tragically. It was not your fault. And this is something that my, uh, my daughter even wrote, this was what she wrote her college essay about because we've been deeply impacted Mm -hmm. just by people social circle. But I think that, you know, there is hope in this generation because they're willing to talk about mental health in a way that previous mm-hmm, generation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we can, we can find hope. We can find hope. Hmm. That's encouraging. Thank you so much. I love that perspective. And just, yeah, you have such a way of bringing truth and some hard things to the surface, but also always offering hope and encouragement. So, I'm really excited about this book, and I just hope that every family will get a copy and read through it, have it there if you need to return to different topics. But Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your heart. And we've covered a lot, but there's so much more we could cover. So I think we're going to have to have you back again. But now before we close, I would love to ask you to share something from your life that you might call amazing. And and for the sake of my new book, Raising Amazing, and this podcast, I have defined, I found a, a definition of amazing that I love, which is a pleasant surprise or something that causes wonder. And I think in your line of work and in your family, there's probably all kinds of things. Um, but I'd love for you to share anything that comes in your mind when you think of amazing recently or currently? I love this concept and thinking about what gives me wonder, what is amazing to me every single day is having the opportunity to be a mom to my four kids, getting up and waking up to be the mom that I always wanted to have myself and seeing Mm -hmm. the and the imperfection and looking at where my Mm -hmm. husband came from both came from, uh, you know, a long line of broken relationships and family conflict mm. and thinking, like, how are we even here? And we are here and we are happy. And every single day, you know, I look at my kids and I think, is this really my life? You know, I know right mm. now my house is a disaster. Like it is so messy because <laughs> I'm in book launch season and my daughter's at college, you know, and all the, like we're, we're constantly, you know, having like negotiating little arguments or that kind of thing, or, you know, just everyday life, like just everyday yes. messy, beautiful and perfect life. And it leaves me in yes. wonder every single day. I think mm-hmm. God has been so faithful to me in that. And mm-hmm. I am, I could not be more grateful. Awesome. He is an amazing God. I love that. I love that perspective so much. Okay. Well, I know everyone's going to want to run out and get your book if they don't have it, but where else can people find and follow you on social media, website, tell us all the things. And of course, I'll be linking to these in show notes as well. 
You can find me at drnursemama.com. That's drnursemama.com. And I want to promise you in this book, even though we're tackling very tough subjects, I promise to take good care of your heart. That's behind the mm-hmm. heart door. And that's all about you as a parent, encouraging you. I have playlists. I have devotionals. I have um, you know, all, all kinds of resources for you. I have prayers you can pray over your teen if you don't know where to start. And so those things will give you hope. And I hope that you, I hope that you find it. I want you to know there's hope for healthy relationships. Oh, that's so good. And anyone listening that follows my books, I think you and I have a similar style. We want to give everybody everything. And so you pack it in there. You don't waste words. You really, it is a one-stop shop. So I'm, I'm going to encourage everybody to get that book. Jessica, thank you so much. Dr. Nurse Mama, I love that title. And I'll be linking to all those places. But thank you for your time today and just keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Monica. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to reading your book too. Thank you. God bless. Aloha. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and I want to hear, what would you like to hear more about from Jessica? There's a whole lot in her book and she's had such great experience. And so let me know, please, over in show notes, you can just leave a comment or you can direct message me. If we're friends on Instagram, you can find me at Monica Swanson underscore. However you want to get in touch, I'd love to hear what you'd like to hear more from Jessica about and I'll have her back on. Okay, so find show notes and links to everything we talked about over at monicaswanson.com forward slash Jessica dash Peck. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this community. Thank you for leaving ratings and reviews. They mean so much to me. And maybe you can continue to spread the word that this is the Monica Swanson podcast. Girl moms are welcome. Dads are even welcome here. And in fact, next week, we've got an interview with a dad. So come back. It's going to be a good one. It was such a favorite of mine. I can't wait to share it with all of you. So God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Aloha.